Hello, everyone. This is Jay Alejandro with the Creative Drive podcast. I'd like to welcome you to the program, a showcase of poetry and flash fiction by writers from all walks of life. Today, we feature selections from The Definition of Empty by New Mexico Senator and poet Bill O'Neill. Bill O'Neill grew up in rural Ohio and graduated from Cornell University. Elected to the New Mexico legislature in 2008, he is now in his second term in the New Mexico State Senate. His poems have appeared in numerous literary reviews, both regional and national. Bill's career has been framed by his work with nonprofits, with a focus on incarcerated juveniles and adults. In 2005, Governor Bill Richardson appointed him executive director of the New Mexico Juvenile Parole Board. Named an emerging leader in 2016 by the University of Virginia's Darden School, he credits his early literary inspiration to mentors E.L. Doctorow and V.B. Price. The following selections are from The Definition of Empty. This poetry collection is the story of a dedicated advocate trying to help adolescents facing incarceration and newly released parolees navigate imperfect and seemingly indifferent legal systems and societies. Told from the point of view of a public servant trying his best to work with people at various levels of brokenness, these poems are compassionate, heartbreaking, and even sometimes brutal, while the voice is gentle, outraged, and naive in turns. With this collection, O'Neill insists that readers bear witness to the struggles of disenfranchised people they might otherwise ignore. And now, three poems from The Definition of Empty. A heart-to-heart -heart with Dad. He will always be the secret master of my blood. Stanley Kunitz. The mountain hike with my 85-year-old father, where calculated as always he brings along a pocket knife. His ancient but determined gait up the rocky mountainside into the high Idaho air we go. He needs to stop, and I pretend to be winded as well. By now, a middle-aged boy too clear on this minuet, both of us following and disavowing the obvious script. Our attempt at reconciliation, my years of absence, I am Biff, and even in his disappointment he has a curiosity, a desire to somehow push into my inaccessible life. So, he begins, do you have any kids anywhere? At least that you know about? No, I reply, pretending not to be stunned at this question. Swiftly, he moves on to the next topic, deftly concealing his literal being from this relentlessly confusing son. His question continues to sting more than the sudden change in altitude, though I suppose I can play this game up to a point, which is the problem. It might have been different, it would have been different, minus the gift of Ohio silos and knowledge that came from loitering among the farm boys, raising themselves too, united in our inevitable discoveries. My father carves our initials into the rushing chairlift pylon, and we share the view together. Yeah, we made it. We echo each other with honest accomplishment, as neither one of us wants to stare back into those decades anyway. Still, I know that deep down he would not have had it gone this route. Instead, he would have left his teenage son a neatly handwritten note 
next to lit candles maybe, with the assurance that there was an indeed an opposite life awaiting, all radiant and welcoming, despite the years of his absence and harshness, as these intimate candles would clearly indicate. He would have imparted his wisdom like a well-meaning uncle or a random passenger next to you on a train. He would have pointed me in a softer direction. Fourth of July in New Mexico. Father, stepmother, stepsister. In the time it takes for a first sip of morning coffee, the finality of his aim. And then, being a rancher's kid, the logical choice of a bulldozer with which to bury them, knowing, as he does, where the keys are. The manure bin will do. How the whole point is to show up liberated at his girlfriend's house in his dad's pickup, oddly restrained in his jubilance. Dang, how did you manage this? His sweetheart asks, regarding the green Ford pickup. It is different now, he says cryptically. But would you still like me either way, if I had done something bad? She smiles, unsure of his meaning, before the helicopters and news outlets arrive, intruding upon his longed-for normal weekend. July 4th, no less. A blowtorch was his punishment the night before, and yet here he is with his Juliet of the Eastern New Mexico Plains, still reluctant to shed his buttoned-up cowboy shirt. Despite the bong hits and improvised basketball before the audience of her friends and her soulful brown eyes, this is how it goes out here in the vast expanse of cruelty and rancher's jokes. What a weekend he had, though, just hanging with Denisha and classmates, not hearing the rumor starting to build, and evening news to follow, no longer enduring his father's ridicule, his taunting, the daily punishment culminating in the bizarre sexual invitation, Coulter's refusal, then the blowtorch. All of us can be pushed too far, and recourse is what adolescence is. Now he can drive the truck. Now he can join his seven-boy team for August two-a-days. Now he can ride the fence line. Now he can begin to process what was done to him. Children's Psychiatrist Hospital. I got bit by a Rottweiler, but I still love dogs, she says, pointing to her forehead, like 130 stitches, when I was four. In her room, observing what she presents on the other side of the bed, the hope in her Jesus cutout, the girly things of age 14. So, Talia, I begin, what is up with this thing? that happened yesterday, running into traffic, 
She smiles, pulling her long brown hair back. There wasn't any traffic, she protests. It was just an empty street. I take notes on a makeshift desk, in my suit, trying not to be the white man. Are you really in a gang? I continue, softening her with authentic curiosity. I mean, looking into her green eyes and received with the dim vacancy of what is being formed. You are so young. What do they call you in here? Teddy bear? She pauses to collect her thoughts. It's no big deal, really. My friends, my cousins, they just ask you to join. The white cinder block of her room holds these memories, a history of commotion and suspension and the overall baffling presence in here of these young girls. And the incident a couple of weeks back? My inquisition continues. Where does that come from? Talia is enjoying this conversation immensely, if nothing else because of the sound of her isolation. She hit me first, she answers without apology. Then there was all of this blood, she adds shyly. I guess I hit her in the wrong place. I start to gather my files. Well, I reply, I certainly wouldn't mess with you, teddy bear. We both laugh. Let us dance around the pagan fire, celebrating the pointed stick, the kerosene of what lives underneath our lives. And I'd like to take a moment to thank Senator Bill O'Neill for his outstanding poetry, but also for his commitment as a public servant to help the disenfranchised in his community. I just want to say, Senator, thank you so much for the work you do. I wish you the best on all of your writing endeavors, and thank you for bringing a little more compassion into our world. And for all you poets and storytellers out there, we would love to feature your work on the show. Send them along to creativedriveshow at gmail.com. And once again, no matter where you are, where you came from, or what you do for a living, you deserve this gift of creativity and storytelling. Make art and make haste. Have a great day.